Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Have you heard the old adage, you are what you eat? Would you believe that that goes the same for your animal? Today, we're going to be focusing on just an overview of what is available for your animal, how to navigate this. And then in part two, we're going to go a little bit deeper and we're going to offer you other options on how you can even provide more nutritional supplementation and balance for your animal for a healthy, happy, and long-lasting quality of life for your animal. So Miranda, in your work as an animal health technologist, what are some of the recommendations that you feel we should be thinking about when choosing the foods that we give our animal? Well, I feel that one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that animals are not humans and they need certain nutrition. And, you know, it needs to be more species specific. A lot of the canned and wet food out there are not necessarily containing the ingredients that are the best for your animals. Especially, we touched on this in a previous episode, but especially for your cats, because of them being carnivores, they don't need vegetables and they don't need carbohydrates, which a lot of processed wet and dry food contains, well, particularly the dry food. So that's not saying that every single brand of dry cat food out there is bad or horrible. It, it can serve its purpose. But you need to be aware of what what is inside each package. The labeling on packages and what a lot of companies want you to see is misleading. They will put these sort of flashy, high energy or... Yeah, like buzzwords. Yeah, yeah. You know, they make you think, oh, this is a good food. I should get this for my animal. But if you look, take a closer look at the ingredients and the nutritional components, you may not actually be getting what they claim that you're getting. And so it's really crucial to develop an understanding of what's actually in a food. Not necessarily a scientific understanding, but, <laughs> but just being able to kind of analyze to some extent what the ingredients are and what it's going to offer your animals so that you can compare the different brands. Yeah. And you walk into a pet store and it's just overwhelming how much food is out there. So what do you feed them? Do you feed the raw? Do you feed the can? Do you feed kibble, dehydrated, homemade? What about treats? There's so much on the market. I don't know the actual facts, but I think the pet nutrition industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. I'm sure. Everybody, yeah, everybody is trying to get their piece of this market. So what Miranda was saying is definitely pay attention, learn, do your research, find out what your breed needs, find what is beneficial 
to your cat, to your dog, to whatever other animal you have within the house that you're buying food for. Pay attention to the ingredients. And so you ask, how do we decide? Well, it takes a little bit of thought process and a lot of work and a lot of research and a lot of reading the nutritional contents of every bag, every can that you pick up off the shelf, read the ingredients. Mm -hmm. It's so important. The other thing that you want to pay attention to is what Miranda had mentioned, the buzzwords. Just because the front of the package looks all pretty and it's got a picture of a fish and it's got a picture of, of a cow or however they market their foods doesn't mean that you're getting high quality ingredients. It can often be skewed. And sometimes not everything that's in the bag is listed because the one thing that we have to pay attention to is animal food is only minimally regulated. So you are not getting, just because somebody said something, they don't have to, by law, follow a certain standard. Some of the cheaper foods, like ash, it's not even food. There's a lot of fillers. A lot of fillers. There's a lot of cheaper stuff. Whatever we can collect, we'll throw in to fill it up. And you're not going to get the nutritional requirements that your animal has the need for. Mm -hmm. And another thing to pay attention to when you're looking at the ingredients is where are they on the ingredient list? This is one thing I've learned from my own education, I guess, when I go grocery shopping for myself is that, you know, if you see for, let's say, cat food, if you see meat as the 10th ingredient on the package, that is questionable. How much meat are they actually getting? You want to see that in the first or second ingredient. Yeah. And the other thing too is, you know, you go to these pet stores or other places and a lot of the people who work there have absolutely no training in the nutritional understanding of pet food. And so they are generally going to recommend what's on sale or what it is that they want to sell the most of. So you can't count that they're going to provide you with the proper information. Exactly. And sometimes they will push the food that they make the most money on. It's not about what's best for your animal. Granted, there's a lot of pet stores that are, uh, what's the word? Pet stores that are noble in the way they go about business. But every company gives them incentives to sell their food or to sell this other food or to sell this food or to sell this particular product or that particular product, they get incentives. And it may not be financial incentives, but they could also get a big shipment of food that they got a real big deal on and they can sell it at a certain price and make more money because of the deal they got on it. So they're going to push that food. Just realize that you need to be your own animal's advocate. Mm -hmm. You cannot rely on pet store employees to direct you to the right place. Sometimes you might get the one employee that knows their stuff, but Mm -hmm. that may not be the 16-year-old that has a first job at a pet store. (laughs) 
<laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. So be your own advocate and do your own research. Read your ingredients. If you like a food or a food interests you, do a Google search on it. See if there's reviews. See if there is any negativity that has been surrounding that brand for any reason. See how other people, consumers, have noticed their pets like it or don't. Really get all your data together, do your research, and then make your most informed choice. Walking through the pet store and finding what food is best for your animal because it can be overwhelming if you don't go in with the tools necessary. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of processed foods that have been recalled. So you may not be aware of that when you go into a pet store unless you've done some research ahead of time. And you don't really want to have been feeding that food to your pet for a few months by the time you find out that there is a recall on it. Problem is, is that certain foods are not going to necessarily have an immediate effect on your pet. You're not going to necessarily see them get sick right away, but it could have a long-term effect where it could be affecting their organs and affecting how they're operating. So they may start to not operate as effectively as they normally would because of the ingredients in certain foods. So that's just something to keep in mind. Yes. And it doesn't necessarily mean the cheaper food getting recalled because there's a lot of expensive brands out there that have gotten recalled as well. It doesn't matter what it is. Some of it's salmonella, which isn't really a problem for the animal, but it is a problem for you. So that's one reason for they take them off the shelves and recall it. Other times there's ingredients found in the food that tend to be detrimental. There have been cases of some foods that were recalled where animal passed away within a week of eating the food. You don't know what it is, but just be, be very conscious, be very aware, do your research. And you can't always count on the veterinarians either because they all, they too, they have a lot of knowledge. But they too only receive a minimal amount of nutrition training in their schooling. So you don't, you want to kind of take that with a grain of salt. Now, you don't want to write off what they tell you because they may be coming from an experience or something that they've had along their career. But you also don't want to think that, all right, what my vet says is gospel and I need to listen to everything he says. Because they may just want to do what the pet stores do and promote the foods that are in their clinic. Mm -hmm. And some do receive additional training. There are some who do go back to school and do receive um, a certificate or I don't know if it's a certificate or diploma. I'm not sure, quite sure what the uh, qualification is, but they receive additional training to become a veterinary nutritionist, which is added on to their uh, regular curriculum. So if you find out that they have that kind of training, then you can consider what they say more so because of the extra work that they have done in that area. And also when we're looking at, we're going to backtrack just a little bit, when we are looking at our, the ingredients and the regulations and all that, you can look online. There are organizations out there that can help you in Canada, there's the Pet Food Association of Canada. I do not know what the U.S. has, but there are many organizations that can help 
that are nutritionally based. We talked about feline-nutrition.org for cats in a previous episode. They can give you some information. There are companies out there that do this research that are nutritionist based, and you can gather the information you need to make the best choice. And the better food companies should have the full energy and nutrient analysis information available either online or they should be willing to release that information if you call and request it. So keep that in mind. Yes. And it's a good idea to find out if a food has been used in feeding trials, because this will help determine the nutritional adequacy of the food. So you should be able to find out that information by asking the companies as well, or even doing some of the research online. There is an organization that is, well, the acronym is WSAVA, but we will include a PDF of that for you, which will give you a guideline on what questions you can ask to get more information about the the energy and the nutrient analysis. And we were hoping to have our website up pretty soon where we're going to have a page for resources. So a lot of the things that we talk about here will either be in the show notes of the podcast or it will be in the resource page on our website, which will be the animalfilespodcast.com. So hopefully we can get that up and running for you shortly. So we will be providing guides along the way to help you on your journey. Again, when you, if you're talking to your veterinarian about the nutrition for your pet, one of the things that you can ask is how much nutritional training or how many hours of nutritional training have they received? And, and also what specifically were they taught? You know, were they only taught about nutrition for cats and dogs or do they have more information and got more training in regards to rabbits or birds or other types of animals. They should be willing to to share that information with you. And this can help you to gauge on whether or not you feel they have the background, the educational background to provide you with proper guidance on feeding your pet. Yes. And if they don't want to give you the information, red flag. We talked about red flags when it comes to vets in our previous episode. So yeah. I can't stress it enough. Be your animal's advocate. So another thing you want to consider when you are looking at the the brands, the foods, the ingredients, is that you want to ideally stick with well-known and species-specific ingredients. So you want to probably avoid ingredients that I can't think of any specifically off the top of my head, but I'm just going to say something like emu, which I don't know if that would ever be used, but that's just kind of like an example of an exotic ingredient or unusual ingredient that you might find in food. So (laughs) if it sounds weird, stay away from it. But also on that same topic, Just know that things like venison is not really exotic for a cat. Venison is actually species specific. I know that sounds really weird because you don't see your little wildcats going attacking deer. But if you think about a lion or a tiger or a leopard, what do they eat? They eat gazelle. They eat antelope. They eat elk. And a mountain lion is going to eat a deer. So venison, which is deer meat, 
is actually species specific. So it's not considered exotic. That, and also rabbit. Rabbit's another one. A lot of people think rabbit is an exotic food for cats. It's really not. It's species specific. A cat would probably catch a rabbit out in the wild. But anything that sounds weird, like, wait a minute, that animal is not even in this country. Yeah, I would stay away from it. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably nothing backing up the use of that meat. It's just a trendy thing. Ooh, let's see if we can get somebody to pay a lot of money for our food. Mm -hmm. Pretty much if you own an animal, if the food has an animal is animal based on an animal that doesn't even live in your country, stay away from it. It's just not, it's, it's just weird to mm-hmm. stay away from it. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird to stay away from it. Stay with the popular foods, the species specific foods, and that's where you're going to have your animals thrive more nutritionally. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that I want to touch on regarding the ingredients is that I know in Canada that the food industry for pets is not regulated. And it means that companies are not obligated to list everything that they put in there or list things in a specific way. So ingredients can often be skewed and it can be listed as one thing and it can actually be something else. So that's another area to be aware of. You know, it might it might say you're getting chicken, but it could be really chicken byproduct or something like that. That's just one example, but it's it's a very common trick that is used to try to hide what is really in the food. Yes, and a little caveat, they do that in human food too. So know yes, what they you're do. eating. <laughs> Know what you're eating. They can get around regulations, no matter how limited or minimal they are, by changing what something is on their ingredient list. So be, be, be aware. I cannot stress (laughs) this enough. There's a lot of stuff out there. And one of these days, I will get on my soapbox and I will tell you all of the horror stories that I have heard along my travels. That's not for this episode, but just be aware. Do your research. Pay attention to what your animal is ingesting. And I guarantee you the better quality, the more you put that energy into choosing your food for your animal, the healthier your animal will be and the higher quality of life they will have. Mm -hmm. Can't stress that enough. In our next episode, as we said, we're going to go into more detail and we're going to talk about the differences, the pros, the cons, and different things that you need to know about the different types of food, which can include dry food, wet food, freeze-dried food, dehydrated food, raw food, homemade food, and even the treats. And just explore more into uh, what you're actually getting with those different options. We're going to be doing that definitely. But I guess for you listeners, we'll just give you the quick rundown on dry and wet food because those are the most popular ones. You at least leave here with a little bit. The two foods, dry food and wet food. We're just going to go over that real quick. So dry food, generally less expensive. It's very convenient but yet it requires proper storage. We'll get into that too. 
It can be left out for up to 24 hours before going rancid. Tends to be very carbohydrate-heavy. That is a con. It's often more low-quality ingredients, sugars, fillers, preservatives, meat byproducts, other unnecessary ingredients. Again, read your ingredient list. The ingredient quality can vary between brands and even between batches of the same brand. I've had cats that have had one bag of one food and they loved it. And the next bag, they were like, eh, we'll get into a little bit more of why that happens. Mm -hmm. Now, the wet food, the pros and cons, okay? Wet food, most pets, not most, but a lot of pets will prefer wet food because it has a different texture, smell. It reminds them more of meat. It provides more water and fiber content. And it also has a lower carbohydrate content. We talked about carbohydrates. We're going to talk about it even more. But carbohydrates, you don't want to have a high carbohydrate content. So wet food's a good thing. Ideally, Wet food can be left out for up to two hours before going off, getting rancid, but less than an hour is best. Generally, wet food is more expensive and cans used for wet food can contain BPA and other chemicals. Now, there's a lot of companies that have been removing that. So again, do your research. And a combination of both wet and dry could and will be beneficial for balanced nutrition. But you have to pay attention to calorie content that needs to be monitored very closely. So that's a little bit of an overview of what the majority of people feed their animals. We'll get a little bit deeper into it in part two, but we wanted you to leave here with a little bit of information that you can take today to help choose better choices for your animal. So stay tuned for part two, where we do a little bit of a deeper dive into nutrition and pros and cons of various other foods on the market. And we'll make sure that you have all the information you need to make the best choices. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.